Hi, my name is Stephen Luna. I'm the lead pastor of MWC Church. We're so glad you chose to join us for this podcast. My prayer is that it would be a blessing in helping you grow closer to Jesus and help you grow in your faith. Enjoy this week's sermon. If you have your Bibles, open them to Isaiah chapter 54. Isaiah 54. Uh, this is a passage that I am saying it's our, it's our anthem. It's our, it's our banner. Uh, this, is, this is like if, if I had a bumper sticker that I could wear for an entire year, just put it on the old caboose and just walk around with a bumper sticker, it'd be this. Isaiah 54 is that passage. I don't even know why I said old caboose. What does that even mean? Uh, Isaiah 54. So, so open up your Bibles to Isaiah 54. I preached on this on Vision Sunday, and, and it, it, was a, it was a standard alone message like Vision Sunday usually is a time where I get to cast vision for the entire year. But just the more I began to pray, I felt like the Lord was saying, I'm going to, I'm going to detour and I'm going to take the church on a detour, and we're going to spend some time in Isaiah 54. Originally, it was going to be a three-week series, and then as I began praying over this and studying this passage, the Lord was like, no, I want it to be six weeks. So we doubled it, and, and we are in week three right now. Uh, God is on the move at MWC. Uh, he is always working in seasons. If you've ever noticed that the handiwork of God is usually a, a kind of tell of the character of God. If you ever noticed that, like you can look at the handiwork of God and it will be a reflection of his character. When you look at, at creation, you see that, that God created everything, almost everything, to work in cycles. The, the flowers, they, they bloom. We see that there's uh, 60, 60 minutes in, in, in an hour and there's 60 seconds in a minute. There's, there's seven days a week. Like there, there's a calendar. There's, and I know God didn't create that that's time, but even time has a season. It's not, it's, yes, it's, it's linear, but it's, it's very cyclical within that line. We see that there are seasons. We, we, we see all these cycles of the moon. We see the, the sun sets, the sun rises. We, we, we see cycles. And, and I'm here to tell you that our church is also in a cycle. There are seasons in the church, and we are currently in a season. If I had to give a, 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 a attach an actual like time of, of the month or a time of the year, I would say this is a season that we find ourselves in increase. God is about to bring great increase at MWC in, in many ways. And there's, it's not by accident that he's led us to Isaiah. Isaiah 54. In Isaiah, we see that the, sea, the nation of Judah was also in an unfortunate season, coming out of an un- unfortunate season. They were living in sin for so many years that, that God said enough was enough and that they would be taken bondage by the nation of Babylon. But that bondage was God's way of, of showing them the errors of their ways. They, they didn't want to live for God, so God said, if you don't want me to be your king, if you don't want, to be, if you don't want me to be your God, then, then I will remove my hand of protection. I, I will give you what your heart desires, and I will remove my hand of protection from over you, and I will let you see what happens when I'm no longer your God. Well, then other nations came in, took over uh, Judah. They, they sent him over to Babylon, and here they were going to be in Babylon serving the enemy, living for the enemy in the culture of pagans like it was just an, a, a horrific time but God in his great loving mercy because how many of you know our God is just but he's also very merciful in his loving mercy said I will give you up for 70 years and at the end of that time I will bring you back to me you're not going to have a rebellion you're not going to you're not going to rise up and have a revolution and, and 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 fight for your own freedom no in 70 years I will come back to you and bring you back to me saith the Lord So they're in that season where Isaiah the prophet now is proclaiming to them what is about to happen at the conclusion of those 70 years. There we see a cycle. There was a a season of of just 
uh, horrific sin, judgment, and now there is release, there's freedom, there's victory, there's deliverance. And, and I would say that in this church, we are entering into a season, if you could, if you could see it, if you could see it in the spiritual place, that, that we are entering a season that God is, is going to bring increase. It's not by accident that he's healing. It's not by accident that we're seeing people come to, to know Jesus. Like God is on the move and he's doing great and powerful things and we are only at the cusp of what he truly desires to accomplish. And Isaiah 54 is that passage. So let's, let's go ahead and, and just throw ourselves into this passage. Isaiah 54, starting in verse 1. Every week I'm going to read it, and I'm going to continue reading it until you memorize this. Rejoice, childless one who did not give birth. Burst into song and shout, you who have not been in labor. For the children, here's the promise, for the children of the forsaken one will be more than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Now, I've broken up this, just these five verses into three parts, and, and part one is, 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 uh, is just that verse one. And if we had to identify what part one was, it would be this. The Lord is saying, rejoice before you receive. Rejoice before you receive. Again, we live in a culture where it makes sense that once you receive, then you rejoice. But, but God is saying, I want to flip that paradigm upside down, and I want to turn that around, and I want you to start rejoicing before you ever receive. That is an act of faith. We know that worship, rejoicing, is the appropriate response in every season of life. If things are on the up and up, yeah, we're going to rejoice and we're going to celebrate, but, but let us not be people that only respond in a season of, or a time of worship because it looks good, but that we would be people who understand that God is worthy of our worship in every season, no matter what's happening. And I'm not saying you just paint a, a smiley face on your, on, on your face. I'm not saying go and get some lipstick and just you know, be the joker. That's really creepy. Don't do that. Uh, I'm saying that even in those moments where life is not ideal, that we can still rejoice and worship the Lord, even with a clenched fist and, and just uh, tear-filled eyes. It's possible for us to say, God, you're still greater than my circumstance. And God is literally telling the people who are in bondage in Babylon, it's time to start rejoicing because you're about to receive. So start rejoicing, start rejoicing. So this is our, our mandate from heaven for God to tell us, this is what we do. We respond in an attitude of worship. That's our part, part one. Let's read verse two. He says, enlarge the sight of your tent. Everybody say enlarge. And let your curtains be stretched out. Everybody say stretched. Like, like someone who's XL that should, that's wearing an XS, okay? Like, like a really tight t-shirt. Stretch that bad boy out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your ropes and drive your pegs deep. For you will spread out to the right and to the left, and your descendants will dispossess nations and inhabit the desolate cities. Don't be afraid, for you will not be put to shame. Don't be humiliated, for you will not be disgraced, for you will forget the shame of your youth, and you will no longer remember the disgrace of your widowhood. Indeed, your husband is your maker. His name is Yahweh of hosts, and the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. So part one was rejoice before you receive. Part two is this, make room to receive. The first part was for us to rejoice before we receive. So we're going to be in a constant attitude, the spirit of just rejoicing, rejoicing, rejoicing. But, but then it says this, make room to receive. 
I'm convinced that in this room, there's, there's one of two people. There's type A and there's type B. What, what, is, what does that look like? What does that mean? Type A, very detail-oriented. You're, you're like the cogs of a machine. You're, you're interested in how things are working. You, you, don't make, you don't set out a foot until you know that there is a, a firm setting. You're, you're, you're the planners in the place, right? And then there's type B people. Type B people, where are you at? I can't be the only one. Type B people, you're like, hey, we're going there, and it doesn't matter how we get there, we're just going to get there, right? Like, like everything's going to work out. Like, like, we're not the best planners, but we're great at, at making things fun. Like, if type A people were in a room together, like, all day, they'd be bored out of their minds. Uh, and they're like, that's because uh, we just really don't want to hang out with type B people. Like, we'd actually be having fun pretending to be bored. But then if type B people, we'd be, we'd be crazy, but we'd go nowhere, right? Like, like, like it, it, but God has designed all of us to, to need each other. We need both personality types. And I'm so thankful that we serve a God who sees the importance, the significance of all of us. Type A people, or let's say this way, type B people, you read verse 1, and you're just like, yeah, we're going to rejoice. We're going we're to go crazy. God, God is going to bring the increase, and, and you stop at verse 1. And the type B people, or type A people are getting nervous. They're like, yeah, it, it's great to rejoice. It's great to shout. It's great to be excited, but, but we got work to do. I'm thankful that we serve a God who gives us the permission to rejoice, but then he also gives us the plan. He gives a plan. So, so part one is to rejoice before you receive, but now we got to make room to receive. There, there is some work that needs to happen. God is not just a God of emotion. He's a God of action. He is completely responsible. He alone is completely responsible, responsible for bringing a miracle, but we are responsible for being ready to receive it. He brings the miracle. We simply create a culture, create an atmosphere that is ready to receive it. He brings the miracle. We simply maintain it. Don't believe me? Look at the Gospels. Every single time Jesus brought a miracle, what was his action step? You remember that? Type A people, you, or type B people, you're like, he, he's just bringing miracles. It's awesome. It's great. But type A people, you're focused on the detail. What does he say immediately after he heals? Go and sin no more. Go and show yourself to the priests. There is always an action step of maintenance. There is always a, like, like Christ brings the miracle. It's, yes, it's, it's triggered by our faith, but, but he alone in his sovereignty brings that miracle, but then the miracle needs to be supported by action. So yes, his desire is to bring increase in this place. He wants to bless you. He wants to bless your finances, your marriage, your relationship with him. He wants you to grow in his relationship with others and with him. And he wants to grow and bring increase in this church. But the only way he will, uh, he will bring the blessing, but it is our responsibility to maintain that. And he gives us the action step. The first one is this, enlarge the sight of your tent. Last week we said that God tells us that, that if we enlarge, how we enlarge the sight of our tent is by first allowing him to enlarge the size of our heart. Enlarging the sight of your tent was a, like a, a way that you would enlarge the sight of the tent back in, in, in these, the ancient Near East times because uh, they didn't have Walmart tents where they had a four-person tent and then if you wanted to upgrade, you had to buy an eight-person tent. The only way you could grow a tent was to literally knock down the current walls and to uh, take some more land to spread out, to level the land, put some more posts, and to uh, throw some some more goat skins is what they used for tents, to throw some more goat skins over the top. And that was the only way you could enlarge the site of your tent. But we are saying this, if God is going to bring the increase, which he desires to do, we need to first enlarge the site of our tent by enlarging the size of of our heart. We need to have a heart for the things that the, the Lord has a heart for. And what is that? He has a heart for those who are far from him. 
He has a heart for the lost. He has a heart for those who, who uh, need to know him in a deeper way. So we see that he starts off with enlarging the site of the tent, but then he, he goes to, to saying this, and the second part of verse two, and let your tent curtains be stretched out. So enlarge the side of your tent and let your tent curtains be stretched out. My kids are recently, they, they've recently entered this, this phase of life where they are fascinated with building tents, building forts. So every time I come home from work, they're like, Dad, can we build a fort? And I'm like, yeah, go get all the blankets. So, so they grab all the blankets in the house. And we, if, it, if it's, here's one thing I've realized. I've got three kids, by the way. Um, the adoption is finalized with Aubrey. So she is officially... She's officially ours, and uh, yeah, man, we're, we're so excited. Uh, I, I do plan on having the, the, the pastor's daughter motion. I did it with all the other kids. I got to do it with Aubrey. Some of you are like, what are you talking about, pastor? You'll see. Uh, Lion King, you know. Anyway, I, I, I do the whole Simba thing. It was always a dream of mine when I was a young, aspiring pastor in Bible college. One day, when I have children of my own, they will be little cubs, and I will be the Mufasa. Actually, it wasn't Mufasa. It was Rafiki. Anyway. Forget about it. Back to theology. Back to the Bible. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, where was? Oh yeah, my kids. Are, they just love building forts. And and I come home in August and Aubrey are usually ones to in, initiate the fort building. Uh, Desmond is still. He's still. He's going to be two this week. Um, but he's still at that toddler age where where he he's not really talking clearly, but he just like screams and grunts. He's kind of like in a caveman phase. Just screaming and grunting is the only thing that comes out of his mouth. And he says some words, but uh, they only come after like Desmond use your words. And he's like orange, like just like really clear English, like, okay, you can, you can talk, okay, we, we know that works, but uh, Desmond, like, like, so August and Aubrey will build a fort, and uh, it usually only takes two blankets to, for us three to occupy that space, that's kind of been our ra- a ratio, right, uh, August and Aubrey, we just need two blankets, and, and that works out well, uh, probably two or three chairs at the most, um, but Desmond, he, doesn't, he requires more occupancy space than my other kids. Uh, he's got a nickname in our house, uh, two nicknames. Uh, the first one is, is Desi Dessert, because that kid can throw down. Like if you ever hung out at our house and you see my kids during breakfast, he's the first one at the table and the last one to leave. And it's not because he eats long. Uh, uh, or slow. It's because he just eats. That kid devours. Even this morning, I played a trick on August. Uh, August, I'm trying to teach him, like, when you're eating, you got to sit at the table, stop getting up. And uh, he got up, so I gave Desmond his, his bowl of cereal. <laughs> and he comes back, and that thing, like, I thought he was just going to take, like, a few. That thing was gone by the time August came back. He's like, Dad, what did you do? And he just cried, like, sorry, I'll get you more. And we ran out of milk, so there I was, running to Dylan's. Anyway, um, so, so, so August and Aubrey, we only need a few blankets, but the first nickname I told you, Desi Dessert, the second one is this, Desi Destruction. Like, this kid is just destructive. Like, he just, like, runs around like, like a tornado. He's like our Tasmanian devil, uh, just running around, and, and it would make sense. He's like, blah, blah, blah. That, that's Desmond, right? Uh, so, so he's just running around, and, and whenever we build a fort, we try to keep it from Desmond, because the moment he comes in, it's over. Like, that fort's going down. But we've come up with the idea that we can't keep brother at an arm's length, right? We, we got to allow him to come into the house. He, he's a part of the family. Uh, we need to be able to, to extend the covering of the curtain to him so that he can feel like he's included. He belongs. He's loved. We care for him. He's the brother. So, so we just understood that in order to bring him into the tent, into the fortress, we need to add more blankets than the ratio we've discovered. Uh, Desi needs four blankets. 
alone. So, so if we're going to make a tent that is suitable for Desmond to be a part of the family, we, we need to sacrifice a little, bit, a little bit and add more to the fortress. To, to stretch out the tents, we, we need to add more blankets. And I am fully convinced that there are people that, that don't even know they're a part of this family yet. And if we are going to do a suitable job of bringing them into this household, about bringing them into the covering of this tent, we need to bring more blankets and, and, and add more support. Because listen, we don't, we're not going to look around and say, sorry, uh, you're not welcome because this is the only resources we have. We're going to say, no, listen, we are going to love you even if you require more blankets. We are going to welcome you into this house and bring you into the fold and do whatever it requires because here's the thing, God did the same for you. So it is our responsibility as as we are making plans to maintain what God desires to do, we need to enlarge the sight of our tent, the size of our hearts, and now we need to throw more uh, curtains and, and stretch them out to bring people in. What was the purpose of a curtain in the Old Testament? It's twofold. Twofold. There was two reasons they, they would add curtains, which is, by the way, it's, it's what was touching the floor. It was like a, a wall. Um, they, they would drape on um, like these goat skins to the side of the house. There, there, was, there was three or two reasons why they would do this. The first one was this. It was to provide a covering, to, to bring safety and protection. From what? From the elements, protection from outsiders, uh, protection from, from, from the, like I said, the elements, the wind, the sun. It was, it was to keep them cool in the, in the heat of the day and to keep them warm at, when the nights got cold. And it was to, to bring them a, a simple, like a, a sense of safety. What else? The second reason or the second purpose for a, a curtain in the time of Isaiah and this time that the Lord was writing, uh, it was to provide, to provide uh, community. To, I'm sorry, to provide inclusion to, to give them a sense of belonging and to let them know that they were a part of the family. That was the purpose of a curtain, to, to say, listen, you, you're on the inside and everybody who's on the outside doesn't belong, but, but you do. You belong to us. You, you're included as a member of this family. And here we see the Lord telling Isaiah, you need to stretch that curtain out tight. Notice he didn't say just, just add a curtain. He says, stretch that thing out. You, you don't understand how many people I'm desiring to bring into this tent, into this household. So stretch it out wide. Now, why would Isaiah use this imagery? You've got to understand, the individuals that received this text the first time, this, this prophecy, they were in bondage. And uh, something happened. If you ever study the, the population of the nation of, of Israel, in and around this time, this time frame, before Babylonian captivity, they were like hundreds of thousands. I mean, their population was huge. And then after their Babylonian captivity, it was probably tens of thousands. It was significantly smaller. They, they had lost so many casualties through this exile and not many people make it, made it. Not just that, but there was two groups of people, people who actually went. They were taken from Israel and, or Judah and forced into to Babylon. They were like forced to be these indentured servants in Babylon. Uh, and then some were forced to stay back and work the land. They were physically malnourished and you would suppose that with this physical malnourishment also came spiritual malnourishment. Remember that when Babylon came and invaded and took the the, the nation of Judah, many of them had name changes. Many of them had morality changes. Many of them had spiritual beliefs. They they were no longer serving God. They were forced to serve uh, the gods of Babylon. 
So they were completely malnourished. And now here is the Lord giving them a promise. You may be malnourished. You may be physically small in stature. And it may make no sense for you to now start adding an addition to your house. But I'm about to bring increase. And you need to trust me in this, that that I'm gonna satisfy you in ways you've never been satisfied. And the Lord is bringing that proclamation to them. And I believe that he continues to do the same for us. He increased their size. He would restore them. And in fact, he would increase their former physical and spiritual position. And God continues to do the same for us today. In in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, we see the Lord is is almost saying the same thing to us. He's reminding us of, 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 or he's reminding the Corinthian church who they once were and who they now were. And look what he says here in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26 through 31. He said, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose and continues to choose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chooses the weak things of this world to shame the strong. God chooses the lowly things of this world and the despised things of this world and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. God's desire is to choose us in spite of any significance we may think we have or are lacking. Why? Look what it says there in verse 29. So that no one may boast before him. So that when the Lord uses us and people see us and they're like, how did that person accomplish that? We only have one response and it's, he did it. So that nobody may boast before him. It's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. He's about to bring increase. And it's going to be for nobody else but his glory. It's not going to be because we finally dialed things in and we finally got the systems out and, and pastors preaching better and the worship team has, has, has got more drummers and, and instrumentalists. No, 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 it's not because you're, it's because of him. He's going to bring the increase because he desires to see this city saved. And he's going to simply use us. And people are going to say, how did you guys do it? And we're going to be like, he did it. Right. To him be the glory. And then God also grows us. Look what he says in Ephesians 4, verses 14 through 16. Then... As we mature in the faith, we will no longer be infants, babies, like small children tossed about by the waves and carried around by every wind of teaching and by the clever cunning of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things, all things grow up into Christ himself who is the head. From him, the whole body is fitted and held together by every supporting ligament. And listen to this, this is the kicker. And as each individual, everybody say individual. As each individual part does its work, the body grows and builds itself up in love. How will we manage the increase God aspires to bring in this church? As each, so first of all, everything's held together through Christ. But as each individual, do we have any individuals in this place? One person raised their hand. (laughs) All of us. As each individual does its work, you got a part in the body of Christ. Listen, we we have a value in this church. We we believe in in, uh, building teams, and we say this, that, that all of us, all of us don't exist, none of us in this place exist to solely fill a spot in a pew. 
but to fulfill a purpose. You have a calling of God on your life. Whether you believe it or not, there is a calling of God placed on your life. And the only way the church is more vibrant than what it was last week is if every single one of us rise up and say, it's time for me to do my part. I, I have a purpose in this church. The church is better when my giftings are utilized because we're held together, bound together through the ligaments, through, through, through the work, the person of Jesus. And the more that we work together, we build up the body and it allows itself to grow. Amen? So what does this mean for us? Going back to the, the curtain imagery, the stretching that out. First of all, I wanna tell you that this is the, this is the thing I wanna get across. Jesus is our curtain. Jesus is our curtain. You and I, friends, were once on the outside, but because of his grace and mercy, he has stretched out the curtain and has brought us in. He has brought us in underneath his safety, underneath his protection. He has brought us in under his his care. We are now covered by the person of Jesus. And it's not just that, but now because of that, he doesn't just protect us and cover us, and that's great in and of itself, but he also now includes us into the body of Christ. We are family members. We are the adopted sons and daughters of the Father. Because of the work of Jesus, we are now included. We belong. That's a buzzword around here. We believe in belonging. It's Jesus who is the curtain for us in the household of God. But did you know this? Jesus was also in the Old Testament and he was also a covering, a form of protection. He was also one who spoke inclusivity. When was this? It's when the nation of Israel was marching through the wilderness for 40 years as they were released and delivered from Egypt and now marching towards the promised land. How? through a pillar of fire by day or by night and a pillar of cloud by, by day. Look at this really quick. Exodus 13, verses 21 through 22. And we're gonna end with this. It says, the Lord went ahead of them. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud and he provided light at night with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night and the Lord did not remove the pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from its place in front of the people. I mean, I, I got a picture I, I want to show you of what this, this looked like. Imagine seeing a big old pillar of cloud stretching from the ground all the way to the sky. It makes sense for us. To, I mean, we think that's a tornado, but it's not moving. It's or not swirling in any obscure and, and random uh, direction. It's, it's, it's leading and directing the people of Israel. Now, this wasn't God, this was a theophany. This was a, an, an illustration or a depiction of God. There was a strength of God revealed in this form. And then by, by day, it was this. Now, uh, how is this a covering? How is this a form of protection? This would cast a shadow on the people of God. And you gotta remember, the desert is hot. I mean, you're not, you're not gonna march through the wilderness, let alone march for 40 years. And yet this pillar of cloud enable them to do that. God was taking them to a destination and he was always in front of them. And for as long as they were in the covering of that cloud, they were safe. Now there, I'm sure there were times where people were no longer looking up following that cloud and they started experiencing frustrations and burns of the heat of the sun and they're getting mad at God, saying, God, why, why are you allowing this to happen? And, and God would just say, 
you came from underneath the shadow of, of my cloud. You, you need to get back in. And some of you are frustrated with God in this moment. You're like, God, why, why is my life the way it is? Why am I in this position? Why is this situation happening to me? And, and, and my, my question to you would be this. Have you strayed from the covering of God? He says, stretch out the curtain wide. Have you, have you refused to come on in to accept the work of Christ in your life? Jesus is our curtain. He is our covering. He is the one who protects us. And not just, not just during the daytime, but this is what it looked like at nighttime. All of Israel, all of the Hebrew people would, would encamp around this pillar of fire. And what would that do? It would provide them warmth from the cool of the desert at night. It would bring them protection. It would allow them to travel and do impossible things, navigating in the middle of the night, making sure that they were skipping over the rocks and not stepping into any potholes. And God's desire day and night is to be our protector, to be our guide. And notice how two times in that passage, it said that it was always ahead of them. Listen, friends, God does not exist to to watch your back. He does, but we need to be marching, following after him. He's the one who leads. He is the one who guides us. And we follow, keep in step with him in his spirit to follow after Christ. So not only is Jesus our curtain, but the reality is this. If Jesus is our curtain, if Christ is our protector, if, if we see that passage and if we see that, that tent coverage is important, we need to understand that our church must also stretch out its curtain and bring more under the care of Christ. It's our responsibility now. If we are in under the covering of the person of Jesus, it's now our responsibility to stretch that curtain around others and bring them into the household of Jesus. But Who? I love when I read the word of God, how I see his concern for all people. Not just those he thinks he could use or, you know, get some return on, but all people. I mean, let me just really quickly read to you Leviticus, parts of Leviticus 19. He says here, when you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Most of us would read that and say, man, that is, that is wasteful to not pick up every single portion. But look, look, look at the reason why the Lord tells him this. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. His concern was for the, those who had not he was already establishing in his family, in his, in, his, in his nation, in his people, that they would be concerned for those who could not produce for themselves. Look what he says in Leviticus 19, verse 15, same chapter. He says, do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or, or partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Verses 33 to 34, look what he says. When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself. 
for you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Now listen, this may sound like a political statement, but this is not a political statement. It's a biblical statement. If your political ideology forces you to not love certain people because they are here illegally, you have ascribed to a political position and you have stepped away from scripture. I am not saying this is how we should govern. I'm saying this is how we should love. It doesn't matter the status of someone's life. I'm not trying to make a political statement here, but your politics need to fall in line with the word of God. And I'm not saying we govern this way. I'm simply saying this is a command to the people of Christ, that we are to love the foreigner among us, whether their status is legal or illegal. They are no longer people that are meant to be pushed to the side of society, but this church exists to bring them into the covering of Christ, to let them know that they were created in the image of God no matter where they were born, but they were created in the image of God and we are to love them and care for them and help them work through legal status. I, I truly, firmly believe in that. So if I can just get very practical, what are some things that we are gonna start doing in this church? The first one is this. I'm already talking to some organizations to help this place become a place where we can help individuals where English is a second language, to teach them English, to train them to become members of this country. Um, we are gonna do some work. Yeah, give the Lord some praise. Like, we are, we are gonna do this. Something else. I, I want you to watch this video really quick, and then I'm gonna add some application to it. This is a commercial, but I believe it depicts the heartbeat of God to bring all of his children under the protection, the covering of one roof. And listen up. I have the privilege of, of talking to, to many individuals who've seen many generations in this country. And they have said this, this is the time that they have seen it the most divided. And I believe the silver lining is this, that the church holds the answer and that it's Jesus. That in Christ, we can be united. That what the world divides over can be accomplished in Jesus. And that we can be the church that sets up a table with extra place settings in faith, believing that there's going to be more people who come and sit down. That we're making room, that we're inviting, that we're looking past the political ideologies or the religious upbringing or, or whatever uh, the world uses to divide, whether it be race or color or, or sexual orientation or whatever that is but that we would be a church that says we are stretching our curtains wide. And we're going to ask questions and have discussions, but, but we're stretching the curtain wide, believing in faith that God's desire is to bring the masses under one roof, under the tent, the covering, the protection, the belonging, the inclusivity of Jesus. So friend, who is it? I mean, let, let's just take a moment to allow the Holy Spirit to just move on our hearts right now. Who is it? in your life that, that needs to be at the table, that needs to be on this side of the tent. Father, if there is anything in us that has allowed people to be held at an arm's length, if there are any biases or prejudices that have kept us from 
embracing all people. Whether it be socioeconomic or intelligence or whatever it is, God, may you soften our hearts the same way that we see time and time again in Scripture. You saying to love the foreigner, to love the poor, to to love the orphan, to love the widow, to love those who have not. And to remind ourselves that when you found us, we were nothing. Soften our hearts, God. Change our hearts. Your word says in James 1, 27, that religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Father, what is it that we need to change? Perhaps we need to stay off of social media for some time and remind ourselves that these aren't automatons that we're dealing with or these robots that we'll never meet. These are people who are made in your image, who have a purpose. They bear the thumbprint of God. Father, help us to see people the way you do. May we not be so combative or argumentative. And if we do uphold a, a political position that we believe is biblical and true, as it may be, may, may we understand that that you extend belonging before you ever talk about what we should believe or how we should behave. Can we do the same, Jesus? May we stretch the curtain out. May every single person under the sound of my voice have a heart for those that need you. May next week, may this place be full of, to the brim with people that we've invited to the table. You're doing a great work in us. And we submit ourselves and humble ourselves and even establish the systems that can help us maintain. But Father, may it start here with us right now in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, friend, last thing I wanna bring to you is this. These are good news, okay? Um, The Lord prompted me a couple weeks ago. um, We went through St. Francis Ministries for the adoption of Aubrey and... um, found out what St. Francis is dealing with, how so there's so many kids in the system who, who are pulled out of dangerous situations in homes that have nowhere to go. Um, so on a daily basis, there's at least 10 to 15 children under the age of 10 just taking up residency in the office. They're sitting on desks, underneath desks, the babies are being rocked and and I just, I asked, I called, I just felt the Lord prompting, saying, call them up. So I called them up. I'm like, hey, what, what need do you have? And, and they were telling me about this as, as, as we were taking the lessons to the Tips Maps courses. And from that point, God just started stirring my heart for, towards action. And I just called somebody up, um, a very, our caseworker. I, I, I spoke to her and I said, hey, can you connect me with the higher up? And maybe our church can be a solution to that. So I um, got in contact with a woman by the name of Jay Hedrick. She's like uh, the, the, one of the higher ups. I think she's like the fourth or fifth in command. And, and I just started just sharing my heart. Listen, I know you guys have this issue and um, I know that there's people who are throwing money at the problems and, and that's all great. And our church wants us to come alongside and support, but, but, but we just built and renovated a facility and it's not being used during the week. Can, can we somehow uh, provide a safe, warm 
protective, caring, loving, Christ-filled, spirit-filled place where these children who have been pulled from their homes out of dangerous situations, who are terrified, have nowhere to go, and instead of keeping them at a desk, can we just provide a solution and and, and open up our hearts and our home and and bring them into this church and just love on them for a couple of hours until you figure out the details? Because we know God knows how busy the caseworkers are, and instead of the church dumping on them, saying, look how horrible job the state is, can we be the solution and realize that it's not more of the state that the world needs to know the world needs Jesus. The world needs the church that we hold the solutions to the problems. So I just said, hey, can can we do this? And she's like, this has made my entire month. I'll set up a meeting. Can we be there next week? We've got a meeting with the higher ups of St. Francis, and we're going to partner with them and see what the Lord will do they're bringing their entire executive team, and we're going we're gonna to walk the facility. And, and uh, this is the beautiful part. Way before when we started construction, when we started uh, doing architectural work, I said, what do we need to do to get up to code in case we ever want it to be a daycare or something like that? We're already up to code. So when they come in, we could probably start immediately immediately. Guys, this is great news. We are providing solutions to the city of Wichita. We're providing protection and care. Can we stand up in this place? Father, thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, thank you that we get to celebrate so many things that even Laurel Nicholson, as she is preparing to go to this missions trip, as we prepare our hearts for all that you're doing, for, 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 for the meeting that we're about to have with, the, with St. Francis Ministries and partnering with them and, and hopefully becoming a, a place, a refuge, a, a fortress where children can be comforted and, and loved and rocked and cared for. Father, would you begin to speak to our hearts? Lord, may we set aside our prejudices and our political affiliations and understand that you've called us we're not, we're not setting things aside. We still stand on truth. We still believe in, 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 in firm and in, in truth. But, but Father, we, we want to open up our hearts and soften ourselves and, and do exactly what you desire to do in this city. May it start with me. May it start with us. May we, our church, be marked by the love that it has for people, its ability to stretch its curtains wide and, and to bring people into the household of God. You've done it for us. May we do it for others. May we point them to you, Jesus. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, ushers, if you guys want to come forward, we're going to take our offering. And Bethany, if you can close us in worship, we're going to take this offering for Laurel. God, thank you for Laurel. Can we give Laurel another hand? Thank you, Laurel. We're going to go ahead and take this offering. Bethany's going to close us out in worship. Thanks, guys. And that wraps up today's message. But we've got more on the way, so be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a future podcast. You belong here, so we encourage you to get connected. You can find us on social media or online at mwcwichita.com. That's mwcwichita.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week.